NPR, Bradenton, Sarasota, Tampa Bay. And now it's time for Veracruz. Shut up and sit down. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another edition of Paraprobe. And we got a few announcements to make really quick. Um, first off, we uh, have been working with H&E Entertainment, um, our company that Jesse and I started. Um, Jesse, would you like to say something? You got your mic. I thought you were about to say something. No, I was just making sure. I thought you were interrupting my role I, here. I, I was waiting. I was on a roll, and you screwed it up. Okay, you know what? Take two. You weren't even talking fast enough. I forgot. We're live show. Okay. Look, everybody, we started up this company, H&E Entertainment, and we're going to do all these cool things, and we're going to Lake Lanier, and it's fully locked in, and then we have two weekends. Slow down before you slip up and say a wrong word on air. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, anyway, so, yes, we started our own uh, – pretty much a events and tours company. It's called H&E Entertainment, LLC. We already have a major event locked in. We actually we got events locked in all the way to like 2023, but our first one coming up is going to be in October. We're going to be at Lake Lanier in Georgia. It is, you know, reportedly to be the most haunted lake in the world. That's scary. Yeah, it's scary. Josh Gates had actually gone there and done one of his episodes of Expedition X on his uh, new show. It is actually season one, episode seven, called Lake of the Dead, if you want to check it out and get a, an idea about what this location is about. So we're going to be there. We're going to be doing actual boat tours for haunted tours, and also there's going to be some investigations going on. We're going to be there for, like, Halloween weekend and all that. All this stuff is going to be getting put out there publicly in the very near future. Make sure you follow us on social media. You know, it's Paraprobe Radio on Instagram, at Paraprobe Radio on Facebook, and then just Paraprobe on Twitter. So you couldn't just keep it all the same, could you? No, just I just couldn't. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't do, do it. it. Yep. Nope. And also, too, of course, we'll be starting up our H&E website. All that's getting ready to launch. All this stuff will be launching within like the next week and a half or two weeks tops. <laughs> so you'll find out about ticket pricing, more in detail about all the events, all the tours we got coming up. But there's a lot. We got a lot of really cool stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, what we're currently doing with Lake Lanier has not even been done yet. Uh, we're first ones to be doing a paranormal event there, which first is pretty time. cool. First time. First time. Um, and then, secondly, <laughs> our next <laughs> announcement. Yeah. <laughs> so, tell them. Yours truly, Jesse J. and Chance Hancock, with our show Paraprobe, we got nominated on Creative Loafing's Best of the Bay competition. We got nominated for Best Internet Radio Show. So, if you get a free moment, go to Creative Loafing um, to their website. And feel free. Go to the entertainment section. I mean, now granted, you can go through all of them and vote for all the different restaurants and other people and everything else. But if you want to click on our show to you know, make sure you get us voted uh, to win, go ahead and go to Creative Loafing's website. Uh, for people outside of our broadcast area, Creative Loafing is a magazine that uh, covers like the Tampa Bay, St. Pete, Clearwater area, all that, uh, you know, and all these different areas and, and the joining areas nearby. And Every year, they do a what they call Best of the Bay competition. So, you know, Best of Tampa Bay. So what they wind up doing is they take, like, uh, nominations for uh, Best of, like, Radio Personalities, Best um, Twitter People to Follow, uh, Best Local Influencers, Best Local Restaurants, so on and so forth. And, uh, yeah, I, I got to say, I'm, I'm very proud that, once again, that, you know, our our – our people that we look up to in radio, Mike Calta and Drew Grabo, got nominated again for 
best radio show for morning and best radio show for afternoon. They're always going to be nominated. Bastards. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They're always going to be nominated. They're always going to be nominated, yeah. and they typically win every year too. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm glad for that. They're though, good. Man. When They're, you're good, you're good, dude. Yeah. When I mean, yeah. But when you get that big of an audience, I mean, come on, you're going to win every time. Um, but yeah, so the the cool thing that I like about it this year. Uh, back when I was with Dead X Radio, um, with our old, you know, former show, uh, we got nominated too for, you know, best podcast show and such and all that. The thing I love about this year in particular that they only took the top 20 nominations um, throughout the entire Bay Area, and our show made the cut. We uh, and, and I want to thank everybody out there who nominated yeah, us because obviously go. it was a large amount of people that nominated us yes, had to, uh, to make the top 20 out of all the other internet, internet broadcast shows throughout. I mean, it's over like 5,000 in the Bay Area. So all 14 of you. Thank so you. all 14 <laughs> of you voting at once. Thank you. We're open at. Uh, Thank you for going to at, like other IP addresses and voting twice. <laughs> so we appreciate that. Putting different names and different emails. You know, I appreciate that. We yeah. really appreciate it. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, hey, congratulations to us. We, we got nominated. Uh, this is one of the situations where Jesse and I talked about it. We we really weren't expecting it. It's our first year doing this show. No. We're not even at a full year yet of doing the show. I didn't think that we get honestly nominated for anything to be to be honest. But and, we did it. But we did it. Yeah. We didn't do it. I mean, the, the people listening to us did it, and thank you guys very much. We appreciate it. You did it. Thank nice. you. <laughs> it's so nice to know there's more than three and a half people listening to us. Right, right. It is uh, much appreciated. So, yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> no, I was going to say something messed up, but I'm not. Okay. I'm good. <laughs> All right. So, I just, I just once again, I just want to say a big thank you to everybody, and uh, make sure you go to Creative Loafing's website. Make sure you give us a shout, give us a vote. And, uh, of course, the name of the show is Paraprobe because uh, we have a lot of people that follow us and know we have a show and they check it out. They didn't know the name of the show. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> you listen to us every week and you don't know the name of the show. Well, I know for a fact that we have some new listeners, at least on the podcast platform, because I was handing it out to people because now that, like, when you sent me that news, I was, like, blasting it from the mountaintops. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you got a show? What? Yeah, I've told you before. <laughs> oh, and I got to give a shout out real quick to my boy Johnny B. Johnny yeah. B. with 1025 The Bone. His show, um, which is Out of Bounds, got also nominated for Best Internet Radio Show. So we're up there with Johnny B. That's cool. Huh. I like Johnny B, man. He's a good guy. We're going to lose. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> couldn't got, you know, you had four other or three other nominations you got. You couldn't just cross that one off. <laughs> Gave that one to us. I mean, nah. really? Hey, go hard or go home. I you know. Go. My, my wife tells me that every time. So, anyways. Fair. <laughs> Cialis. Yeah. <laughs> Parapro brought to you by Cialis. <laughs> stay long, stay firm, listening to the show. <laughs> so, anyways, moving on. I was talking about listening to the show, you know. Stand firm, oh, listening to the whatever. show. whatever. You know, stay long, listen to the whole thing. <laughs> what were you thinking? My um, God. Doo -doo -doo. Yeah. All right, you know. So, uh, moving on. Down the road. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be a really stupid show tonight, but I don't care. Um, so, anyways, tonight we're talking about USOs and UFOs. And for those of you who don't know the difference, well, then you're obviously not in the paranormal and you're an idiot. Um, USOs are underwater, submersible objects. Unidentified submerged objects. You um, suck. You really suck. Do what? <laughs> no, 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 no. Unidentified really? submerged. Click and look. I did. I've been searching for it all day on day. I've seen both, un unidentified and underwater submerged objects. I what? have seen both ways. Why would you call it underwater submerged objects? Because both, USOs are that, by. They go both ways. They're 
That's redundant. Okay, whatever. completely redundant. So anyways, yeah, so the no. difference between a UFO and a USO, one's underwater, one's in the air. There you go. Pretty much simple. And they can be both. But the crazy thing is that uh, the USOs are getting actually more and more common being seen, especially with a, a lot of the Pentagon releases that have come out recently who have been showing these video footages of these different objects, you know, that they thought was a UFO going through the air until all of a sudden decided to Splash. dip out and go under, underwater. The crazy thing about that is is there's been a couple incidents where people were claiming that – and I'll, I'll actually get in the story later that – more in detail where they claimed that they thought this was a weather balloon. Hint, hint, Roswell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, however, used to be their go-to. Yeah. However, yeah, they, they definitely got proven wrong. It was not a you know weather balloon. So we're going to be getting into this and talking a little bit more about the USO side of the house. A lot of people talk more about the UFO. I want to get more into the USO. All right, so the first thing I want to put out there, for anybody who thinks that USOs are not real or that there's no way they could exist, you know, it's a big myth and yada, 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 think about this. What other better place is there to hide than underwater if you have alien craft? Because think about this. If you think that they don't exist, there is over 332,519,000 cubic miles of water on the Earth. The Earth is covered by at least 71% water. That's a lot of places to hide. That's a lot of water. Yeah, I mean, our oceans, we have not even even scratched the surface on, on going out and investigating our oceans yet. We really haven't. No. Uh, some of these areas and locations of our oceans are just entirely too deep. We have these unmanned remotes that we're able to send down to a lot of these locations. But you got to think, that little you know, unmanned sub, uh, one of the biggest ones out there, I think, is maybe, I think, 15 feet long. All yeah, right. not that big. Okay, so it's not... Ours was, yeah. like, 8 feet long. Yeah, not really all that big. So imagine when it's out there doing its little thing, driving on the bottom of the ocean, it's not really covering a big area. No, and it doesn't really see much. I mean, when you're at that depth... It is really dark, and yeah. they have all kinds of lights on there, and you don't see that far. Yeah. Um, most of you know what we did, we had um, an ROV, which is what you're talking about, yeah. a remotely operated vehicle mm-hmm. that would go down and check out like the wellhead of an old rig or yep. the piping and like do survey jobs and stuff like that and check it out. I mean, and you see some strange stuff, but most of the time oh, yeah. the guy flying that thing down there is focused on flying it. Mm-hmm. And He's focused really. on what's in front of him. <clears throat> And not crashing it. <laughs> yeah, not. I mean, it is like a three a, million dollar piece exactly, of equipment. Exactly, it's a multi million dollar piece of equipment. So the boat costs like six million dollars to build. Three mm-hmm. million of it with the ROV. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, for me, I was on a minesweeper in the Navy. I was a mineman, and we had our MMV, mine neutralization vehicle, which is an ROV. It's mm-hmm. a remote controlled, you know, uh, sub that we send down. And basically, what this is created for is to be able to. And I can't get into too descriptive. Uh, stuff with this it's it's made to get rid of mines underwater uh, to keep us safely away from it to use it to do the job and we'll leave it at that um but those like you said that mmv was worth like i think 4.8 million yeah yeah i never wanted to fly it i did i had to get qualified and i had to fly it and all that stuff but yeah i really didn't want to I was like, well, if they crash it, at least it's got insurance. So. <laughs> <laughs> but the the crazy thing is, is uh, you know, once again, you know, you only have X amount of cable too because these things are connected by a cable to oh, yeah. run down. They're not ran by remote control per se, where it's wireless. It actually is, you know, connected to a very thick, long cable, mm-hmm. and 
but they only have X amount of feet of coil that you can put on a ship, you know, to run these things that far out. I mean, the diameter of the coil on these things uh, for, like, our MMV was at least probably about, uh, I'd say about maybe an inch and a half, two inches thick, probably. Yeah, yeah. that's about right. I yeah. mean, it's wrapped in wire, and then you have the fiber rock that's going down. Yep. Yep. And uh, and like you know Jesse was saying, you have this camera mounted where you can see the things in front of you and all that, but you only have a little bit of degree of you know direction from you know from your left and right you know for peripheral to be able to see in front of you, and so is, I mean there could be a Buick right next to it and you would totally miss it. Yeah, <laughs> you, know you, would, I mean? you would totally miss it. I mean most of the time, um, like the ones we had had like cameras that were all around it, so you can kind of yeah. see, make sure you didn't crash into things. Uh-huh. It gets tight. Oh yeah. But um, uh. There's weird things that like, like put this in perspective. We were down um, tracing this pipe, and well, the machine was down, and we were tracing the pipe. <laughs> but yeah. um, we used to hang like little styrofoam cups off of it because the pressure is so like, mm-hmm. yeah, it would shrink the cup. It was cool. But um, we were tracing this pipe, and it was a big pipe. It was probably the width the cross of it yeah. would be about six feet. Mm-hmm. It was a big pipe. So we're down there. We're doing our thing. We have the rep for the old company that we're working for, blah, 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 tracing it. It's boring. I'm just down there for the fish. You know, I want to see what kind of critters are down there. I hate to admit this, <laughs> but I was the same as you. I wanted to see what kind of fish were down there every time we dropped the, the MMV in. Yeah, well, we uh, saw this crab, this big crab. I don't even remember what kind it was, but it was a big crab because – one leg was on one side of the pipe. The other leg was on the other side of the pipe. Holy and it crap. did not touch the pipe. Good Lord. That, that's not a crab. That's that's a, a like. It's a BFC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's a Greek monster from mythology. Yeah, no, no. It's shiny. <laughs> All right. So with that being said, the, the, the point that we're getting at is when you're down there, you know, these type of depths and everything where these, you know, uh, these type of vehicles, these USOs could be hiding, they could have an entire base down there, and we wouldn't even be aware of it. I yeah. mean, I know they talk about, well, we have subs out there all the time, you know, patrolling this, that, and the other. But sonar doesn't really see that much. I mean, yeah. you, you get – and radar isn't even that accurate. Yeah, so and when sonar look- is active, but it only pings out to so many, th- like, you know, a couple thousand yards. It doesn't go, like, you know, a few miles. Yeah, and it's only if it bounces off something and comes back. Exactly. I mean, and you don't get a whole detailed picture of what is going on. Exactly. You know, you get, like, a blip or a square or, like, the one we had sucked. Mm-hmm. It was terrible because, like, it was literally looked like – um prop wash <laughs> yeah yeah it was terrible and, you know and not to mention the fact too that you gotta look at the topography of the, the you know the, the ocean floor on the bottom you know there's a lot of caverns i mean look at the marianas trench you know you have these different caverns that are miles deep into the water so if you had a i mean if you're techno technologically advanced enough to fly across multi you know galaxies to get here i'm sure you could build a base underwater as well yeah and also you gotta you know think about this you know, people are saying, well, there's no way that these uh, things will be able to go from air to water without, you know, stalling out. Really? Uh, no, we actually have the technology now. Maybe not as advanced as what we're looking have at. Have y'all ever these heard things. of a duck? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly, actually. But the, the thing is, is that if you're able to transport through space, which means you have to have contained air, quite sure it's going to work underwater as well. Now, granted, propulsional, you know, units, you know, on a space shuttle opposed to a you know, craft that these UFOs are doing, obviously totally different type of propulsion. They probably are using, you know, and this is a guess, obviously, magnetic influence or whatever the case may be. 
but it's obviously not a dynamic of using burned fuel and oxygen in order to propulse, you know, the object. No, so, really gets yeah, me. they could go underwater without stalling out. Well, what gets me is the speed that they go in. Yeah. You know, um, water is the densest material on the planet. Absolutely. Like, it's more dense than concrete. Yep. You can land flat on concrete and probably have less damage done to you if you landed flat on water from a significant height. Now, yeah, obviously, yeah. you know, from short distances, <laughs> concrete sucks. But, yeah. like, <laughs> try belly flopping off the Empire State Building into the ocean. Dude, there have been people that, uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, you know this just as well as I do. We live next to the Skyway Bridge, you know, here in the, you know, Tampa Bay area. <laughs> uh, and the, actually, it's in between, like, uh, Palmetto and St. Pete. But the Skyway Bridge is approximately 400 and some odd feet high from the center span. It's real high. Yeah, it's over 400 feet high from the center span to the water. There have been people, uh, this bridge is known for people committing suicide off of it, just like the Golden Gate Bridge, because of its height. They're currently mm. installing a fence on it yes, because of this. Yes, they've been putting on these safety nets <laughs> to keep people from being able to jump from it now and committing suicide. There have been people who have driven here from other states to jump off this bridge to kill themselves. And now, don't get me wrong. We're not saying this happens like every week or something, but when people usually jump from something, it's not from a building here in our area. It's from that bridge. So long story short, there have been people who have jumped off that bridge when they hit the water to split in half. Uh, because of their legs being a little, no, nope. you know, yeah, nope. Nope. you're talking about That's an it. enema at over 300 miles an hour. I mean, whew, it's crazy. All right. So anyways, now the thing is that with these, you know, type of USOs, these objects um, coming from another planet, if they were to enter in our atmosphere, they're now creating friction when they're going through our atmosphere. They're building heat on the fuselage. Your normal plane, jet, uh, we talked about it a couple times with the speed of like the SR-71 Blackbird. Mm-hmm. The SR-71 Blackbird, typically when it landed, the pilot had to sit in the cockpit for over 30 minutes to let the outside fuselage cool down enough to step out on it to get out of the plane. Because if not, it would literally melt the bottom of their boots. Yep. All right. So a lot of people was like, well, if it hits the water that, you know, uh, going from hot to cold, like people think, you know, with typical metal going from real extreme heat to now, you know, ambient air temperature because it hit in the cold water, that it would fracture and break to pieces. Once again, we don't know how these objects are built. We don't know how they operate. We don't know anything about the propulsion or the actual material created to build these things. I mean, think about the space shuttle. It comes in from, you know, out in space into our atmosphere to land, and it cranks up some serious heat when it starts coming down. But we have heat shields built to yeah. where it doesn't just burn up. Well, we have ceramic heat shields, but ceramic not – I'm. Just putting this out there for clarification because yes. we don't know the technology that could potentially be used for this. Ceramic will definitely shatter if you do that. Yes, but hundred <laughs> percent. Well, I don't plan. On, I don't think they plan on landing the space shuttle in the middle of the Indian Ocean or anything either. But I mean, you. They used to splash down with it, like the Apollo project. Apollo right? project, yeah, yeah. There you go. I mean, but the the point being is that yes, all this stuff is feasible. That it can be done. You know, so there's there's no way to rule out that it's not possible for these things to exist now with that being said here's the interesting fact that i've been noticing and a lot of the reports that i've been doing all this research on usos have actually you know especially me and jesse coming from the water life that we have that we definitely really take interest in usos a lot you know Mm -hmm. we've done a lot of research on this subject not just for this particular show but for a long time i've been doing this and so has jesse but one of the interesting facts is that a majority of the cases of the USOs that have been actually reported is coming around from off California. Yes, and yeah, yeah. every every time it's reported, there's like 
uh, particular places. A lot of them, there is a hot spot off California, but yeah, right around there between all... uh, or was it? Um, oh, oh some island. No, it's Catalina. Island or something. No, it's Catalina Island. There but there, the uh, Air Force Base. God, what is he? I'm brain farting on the name of the Air Force Base. Google it, bro. I'll talk. Okay, you keep talking. <laughs> no, but they pop up at the same places every time um, throughout the world. Off California, I think there was one. If I'm not mistaken, I could be lying. Don't quote me on this. Fact check me. Whatever. Um, I believe is off the coast of Spain somewhere. I may be wrong. I feel like I'm wrong. Am I wrong? No, I'm totally wrong. No, you're not wrong. What, with the Spain thing? Yeah, you're right. Oh, see, now I'm going to have to start Googling. Okay. <laughs> so anyways, uh, Vandenberg. I just, there you it go. It just popped in my head. Uh, Vandenberg Air Force Base um, over there. And what's so funny is a lot of those uh, – there's two Air Force bases <laughs> in that generalized area that have had a lot of UFO reports, and now they're getting all these USO reports in between there. It's like a triangle, almost like the Bermuda Triangle off of Florida. It's like it's kind of like a triangle from off of California over to Catalina, and that is like one of the major hotspot areas that they've been seeing USOs a lot in like the last like 40, 50 years. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the reports here that I, I wanted to talk about, because this is one that people have been seeing more recent ever since they uh, – once they did the Freedom of Information Act, and the Pentagon came out and they said, yes, we actually have video of like these UFOs, like the Tic Tac UFO that everybody talks about, you know, that they capture on film and releasing it to the public and saying, hey, we don't know what this is. But one of them, back in July 2019 at 11 uh, p.m. at night, the U.S. Navy's uh, USS Omaha captured on film a craft flying over uh, the water and it stopped and dipped and hit into the ocean. All right. Uh, no debris was found. No type of objects were found, uh, you know, underneath the water, you know, to see what it may have been that actually crashed. Um, they actually sent a sub out to go look for this thing because they were like, look, we filmed this thing for a while. And it was staying parallel with us running with our ship. And then all of a sudden it said, bye, and poof, right in the water and gone. Well, that was the same thing that happened in 2019 with the uh, the UFOs that was basically taunting the yeah. fleet out there. Yep. I think that was in Atlantic, though. Yeah, out in the Atlantic. Yeah. <clears throat> and they were messing with them and all this that and the other and then bloop went in the water and they have searched that entire area oh yes they did not a thing you know and the crazy thing <laughs> is once again you know with these usos it's the fact that you can't rule out that they are not real and they don't exist i mean we already let's just be fair across the board i think we all can pretty much agree that somewhere in this vast universe there is existence of alien life you know and alien life that is far more advanced than what we are with that being said, we're already at the you know calculated path of our evolution of being able to fly, go into space, so on and so forth. So the other you know alien civilization is millions of years beyond our achievements. Mm -hmm. You know, which Michio Kaku, I mean, all theoretical physicists across the board agreed. Yeah, it's very possible that that's real, and you know they are millions of years more advanced than we are. With that being said, that yeah, with their flight technology and everything else, they probably do have the capability to come from across the universe and go right into the ocean. And what better way, once again, to hide than underwater? Because if they're smart, they don't recon on us. They know our technology. They know, hey, if we build a base down here, they will never find us. Because think about now, all the different technology we have with our satellites and so on and so forth. If they had a base on the ground, let's say built on top of a mountain somewhere or whatever, we'll probably find it. Oh, Google Earth, bro. Exactly. <laughs> Somebody, you know, you know uh, 
you know, little Billy Bob, you know, is at home playing around on Google Earth, and he's like, hey, I found this. What What's this? I don't know. Let's go check it out. You know, next thing you know, here comes the military coming in, and they found this big UFO base that Billy Bob found on accident. Well, and, and honestly, if you think about it, if aliens were here, I'm not saying they are or aren't. But I think they are. If My if, personal opinion, my honest opinion, I think they are. If they're here mm-hmm. and they know about us, look around you right now. Who the hell would want to hang out with us? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, between the stuff going on in, like, Australia, U.K., Afghanistan, here, mm-hmm. I mean, just, hey, it's, Ma- ugly. Mark it's ugly. T- Mark Twain was the one who said that the devil's greatest accomplishment was, you know, making man think he doesn't exist. Yeah. Y- aliens, same thing. They're like, you know what, man, they've seen us and everything, but we got to start some stuff here to make them really go, they, they look like they're crazy. You know what I mean? Put out that... That misinformation and stuff. Bro, we are crazy. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Because they just they, they don't want to deal with us. They're they're still observing us and going. They're still idiots. We got a long way to no, go. No, that I don't even think they're here to observe uh, to like observe us or anything like that. I mean, we are on the edge of the galaxy. So if you are millions of years old alien and you can travel that fast and have mm-hmm. all this crazy technology, likelihood is you're from another galaxy and using our base. Or our planet as a base to explore this section of this galaxy. And which is, yeah, very <coughs> possible. I mean, I mean, we don't know. Yeah. It, it was sad is the aliens know more about our ocean than we do. You know, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, they probably yeah. do. You know, and that's another thing, too, uh, for a lot of people out there, because Jesse and I are very big proponent, uh, you know, pushers of taking care of our oceans, you know, because a yes. lot of people seem to think that we get all of our oxygen from, you know, the trees and the grass. That's not true. No. That is not true in, in the slightest. Majority of our oxygen actually comes from our ocean. We get our oxygen from the ocean, and, and, and it's a very from simple thing. It's called phytoplankton, which does photosynthesis just like a plant does. But there's trillions more of it in our ocean. We get a majority of it from our ocean. So like with this red tide and everything else, I want you people to think about that. You, you keep up with the poisoning, and you wind up destroying our oceans. It's not an if. It's a when when we're eventually going to run out of oxygen. We will not have enough plant plants on this planet and trees and everything to supply us with enough, enough oxygen to survive. We just won't. And you just made every one of the marine biologists we've ever worked with very happy. And I'm glad because I, you know me, man. Oh, I'm yeah. all about you know protecting our oceans and, you know, and sharks. Uh, Eli, uh, what's that uh, actor, director, Eli? Oh, God. He did uh, The Green Inferno. Yeah, never nope. mind. No. Yep. Okay. The only Eli, I know two Elis. Eli Whitney. They're both named Eli Whitney. The okay. dude that did interchangeable parts and gotten oh Jen. And uh, my mother's late fiance. Hold on. Hold on. This is this. I, I've got to find this now because I got to bring this up while we're doing this. Okay. Because I wanted to make this show about protecting our oceans as well. Okay. It's not just about USOs. I was trying to make a Eli Roth. Eli Roth. There we go. All right, so Eli Roth uh, during Shark Week did a big episode shark and created this documentary about shark finning. What shark finning is is people who go out there, catch these sharks, cut the fins off to make soup, and throw the sharks back in the water. And that makes me mad because the that, shark is That doesn't make me mad. That pisses me off. I was trying not to do that. I but don't <laughs> care. I'll go with it. But sharks, the whole shark's edible. Like, you're not going to eat the internal organs just like the you know another fish or anything like that, but – Sharks are edible. Yeah, I I've had sharks. Yeah, shark steak and everything. I'm okay when they if you're catching them at a normal rate of a fisherman catching a shark and they turn it into shark steak and all that stuff. 
the problem I have is when you have these fishing companies out here that are catching sharks by the thousands and cutting their fins off and throwing them back in the water. One, is highly illegal, for number one. Mm-hmm. Now, some countries, it's not illegal. No. They're allowed to keep doing it all day long. Yeah, uh, and the, that, that, that's the biggest problem. So all this, I'm going to get on a tangent. And I'm I sorry. have an issue with these fishing tournaments who are catching all these sharks and killing them just for sport, that they're not using it for food. They, Yeah, I, yeah, I have an issue with that. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. there's, an, there's a thing in, like, the hunting and fishing community called ethically harvesting animals. Absolutely. First of all, you kill them. As quick as you can, you know, because, unfortunately, they have to die for you to eat. So, kill them as fast as you can. Second, don't make the animal suffer, which yeah. goes back to rule number one. Like, you don't sit there and a shark's not going to survive without the fin. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. It, at it, all. Yeah, the and fin is used for its steerage in <laughs> the water, just like a plane uses its ailerons and stuff to be able to fly and to maneuver. The, the the shark uses the fins for the same thing. So if it doesn't have its fins, it can't hunt its prey. It's going to it's die. Dead. It's going to starve. And it's, our, it's bleeding anyway, so it's going to attract other sharks, other sharks and it's yeah. going to be done. It's dead. Yeah. Uh, you, you, and like I said, this isn't like just one you know one shark that they yeah. caught on accident and they did that too. No, these are guys who are bring, you know yanking in these nets <laughs> and pulling up you know hundreds of sharks at a time doing this kind of stuff. Now, if you want to look at all the like the biggest. Like problems with like greenhouse gases and like mm-hmm. economic pollute or oceanic pollution and Aquaman. stuff like that. Look over to some of these unregulated Asian countries over here that like haven't decided to join any type of regulation. Exactly. And yep. I'm, I'm just leaving it there. We'll right. leave it at that. Do, yep. do, 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 do. All right. So anyway, so shark, let's do, go back do, to USOs. Do, do, do. We I think we did enough of our get off our soapbox now. But yes, please. Do what you can to protect our oceans, and if you want to, please check out the you know helping out organizations like Clear, you know Clearwater Marine Aquarium, helping out uh, Moat Marine Laboratory in Sarasota, which is my favorite because they're all about sharks. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. favorite. Um, so yeah, please give, and don't forget to vote for us on Creative Loving, best <laughs> internet radio show. <laughs> Shameless plug. Shameless plug. All right, oh, so my goodness. moving back into this. So one of the craziest stories that uh, that I actually came across, though, when I was doing the research on the USOs um, for, you know, specific stories. Send it. This one's pretty crazy. All right. Uh, the waters between Long Beach and Los Angeles is the mass of the USOs that have been spotted. And in 1966, a spherical object that was silver in color <laughs> um, was traveling across the open ocean. And right down, like, the heart of the main channel, which this is a main shipping channel, right? So there were tons of eyewitnesses who saw this, all these people on these boats. They said this thing popped out of the water in the middle of the channel and took off flying. They had it clocked when it came out of the water at about 100 miles an hour and jumped to about 170 once it went airborne and then disappeared. Which sounds very fast. And in the water... And that is very, very, very fast. fast. Yeah. In the air, not so much. Well, and I, I'm, I'm, no, I got to put this out here because it drives me crazy. Because when I was looking this up and researching and looking through documentaries and stuff, like over 170 miles an hour, our planes go 500 miles an hour. A basic like, helicopter flies at about 170. Yeah. You However, can't, you can't get <laughs> off the ground unless you're going like 120. I got a story bro. for you to tell. <clears throat> Did you All just right. do the, 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 the Crazy guy. What's his name? Oh, oh the George Sukulis? That works, too. I'll okay, good. All right. I'll allow it. 
actually when I was in the Persian Gulf, uh, we uh, I won't be specific about our location. We picked up an um, sometimes the radar if a plane or a helicopter is flying low enough to the water, we'll pick it up as well. Oh yeah, okay, I can attest to that. Yes, we wound up picking up this object coming toward us, breaking roughly over 120 knots. All right, typical speed for something that uh, that speed is usually a helicopter. Uh, you know, planes are usually flying much much faster unless they're going in for a landing. Well, this is all open ocean, so they weren't landing. So this thing was going about 120 knots. We started. You know, they were tracking it. We were kind of watching to see where it would go, you know, and if it was it was coming towards us. So I was on forward gun and with my spotter and, you know, on lookout. Well, they said, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then all of a sudden, it disappeared Bloop. off radar. The last track they had for it, I think, was a, a, a rust, uh, rough estimate. And, and forgive me, this has been quite a few years. But I think it broke over like 3,000 knots and disappeared. What? Yeah, so we went from 120 to 3,000 knots plus disappeared. I want that engine. I want to put no that kidding. in my car. Yeah. You want to drag race, bro? So that's all the detail I'm going to give on that. <laughs> so anyways, so but with this object, it came out of the water. It, like I said, they, they clocked it roughly because their their radars immediately picked it up. When it, as soon as it came out of the water, it was doing like 130. It banked, went to 170 right over the top of one of the uh, ships that was going through the channel. But then it jumped to such an enormous amount of speed, it literally disappeared. They didn't, they couldn't even clock how fast it went. That's the part that. That's fast. Yeah, that's the part that went crazy. It wasn't the fact it went from 130 to 170. It's the fact that it banked from 130 into 170 to start going straight across the water, and then jumped up to this enormous amount of speed and just disappeared off radar, gone. Pew. Yeah, and there was multiple eyewitnesses. They they said that they like, well, it went that way. That's all we know. <laughs> After that, it was gone. So, and that happened back in 1966. Now, here is a very, uh, a tragic story. Uh, this one's really not funny at all. This one really is tragic. Um, December 29th in 1968. Uh, um, actually, you know what? Let me go back to this one here in a second. All right, so uh, the, the more... Why are we doing a sad story anyway? Well, well, this this one's actually more tragic I want to talk about. All right, so in the L.A. Times, this happened back in March 1977. It was uh, March 23rd. Um, a sheriff, Vincent Rupp, reported that they started getting calls from all over the area, including uh, from Andrews Air Force Base and all over, about these tin can-shaped objects flying around. Okay? Um, this was coming from all over the local area of California and all that in his area. They wound up going out over the water, so on and so forth. There's multiple reports from, like, all over. The one object that they that they received a call on from point A to point B, they were like, this thing had to be going at least probably about 1,500 miles an hour to travel this distance from where person A saw it and then person B saw it. Then it banked, went back out, all, out like I said, out over the water. Now, on December 29th, back in 1968, attorney Paul Elion watched a set of lights in between Palos Verdes and Catalina stop, tilt, and go underwater. Sound familiar? Yep. It, this happens. To, this seems to be happening a lot with these uh, submerged USOs. Uh, the local news claimed it was two college kids playing with a weather balloon. This is the sad part that I, I was getting to with this story. This guy almost lost everything. Mm-hmm. Because people were making fun of him, and you know, and, and I'm putting this out there because there's a lot of people in the UFO, you know, uh, world that have you know not talked about their UFO sightings and such because of what happened with people like him. Oh yeah. Now thank God, 
other people started reporting saying, yeah, we saw it too. And there was like, there's no way that was a weather balloon. Well, that one right there wound up on the news because so yes. many people called. And yes. like, there was a guy that was interviewed in one of the documentaries I actually watched about this, where mm-hmm. he was a kid and he turned on his walkie-talkie because that's what you know. Yeah, we, yeah. We did back then because we didn't have phones, unlike some lucky ch- children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hating. It is what it is. Yeah, we're but, poor I mean, kids. He 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 overheard you know them talking over the radio about mm-hmm. it. He's like. I don't know what the heck it is, but uh, it's it's listing and it's sinking and it's like it was going slow. It just like landed and go. It didn't go like from 170 to yeah. splash. It was it landed on the water and then like went down slowly. Well, this guy later on in life he became an attorney, you know, uh, very well established, doing very well with his life. But he's still now because I guess it's become more mainstream. He's not afraid to talk about it now. And he was actually on a, a TV show about UFOs with you know talking about that story and everything else. But to listen to this guy and talk about his report, he was so spot on for, you know, the description. He, he was so descriptive about its length, its size, how it maneuvered, you know, how it, you know, banked and went into the water, so on and so forth. Um, that other people that had done all these, re- you know, had called in this report too, besides him, back then in 1968, they started comparing all the notes and they're like, yeah, they all did see the same thing and it was not a weather balloon. So I want to know. Who put the news up to that story? Who put those people up to the story, those two college kids messing with a weather balloon? A weather balloon does not fly at that rate of speed to begin with. I don't care how fast the winds are blowing. Secondly, make those type of maneuvers. That A balloon doesn't operate that way in the air. It doesn't. These things were making 90-degree turns and stuff. All right? And then, of course, you dip in into the ocean. And... Ladies and gentlemen, the origin of fake news. There you go. <laughs> because typically also, too, a weather balloon, which is mostly made out of like a – I think it's called Krylon, I think, is the material they use yeah, for them. Yeah, it's like almost it's like, like a mylar. Really thin, yeah, it's a really yeah. thin plastic. It floats on the water. You know, it, it will sink eventually, but not immediately, all right? And uh, so I think it would be pretty easy to find this weather balloon that dropped because it's not going to just drop and disappear so quick like this object did. Yeah. And especially that size. All right, so – Fast forward. Um, this one is the, the more tragic story because this actually involved a death. This is a very true story. All right. So back in January 26th of 1980 um, in the Catalina Channel, imagine that, a pilot of 14 years, Noah Felix, um, was flying his uh, Piper airplane, and his cousin was with him. His, name's, his uh, name is Mark, same last name, uh, Felix. You can actually look this up, too, and, and look at the story. So Mark basically came out. Uh, he, they didn't get into a description of it, but I'm, I'm assuming it was probably cancer. He had, he had told his cousin he, he didn't have long to live. All right. So Noah, kind of being shaken up about it, decided to take his cousin on a trip, and they were going to go from Catalina over to Las Vegas with his private plane. Now, when Noah, once again, Noah at this point in time had already been a pilot, you know, professionally for 14 years. It's not like this guy was a newbie, okay? When they were out over the water, he started to do what they call vector. Now, vector is where you will circle off an area to mark off your your location, and then you have your, you know, B location of where you're flying to to mark your vector of what direction you're going, you know, for your, your flight course. So while he's doing this, they see this object in the water. 
this object he said it was very nondescript because of the water around it it was very you know the water was like very dark it was a very dark object they couldn't really tell uh, at this point in time he had circled back around to see what it was while doing his vector and him and his cousin was looking at it there were roughly about maybe i think he said it was something like uh 1200 you know feet off the water at this point in time all of a sudden a blue light came from that object to their plane Next thing you know, he said uh, the the crazy part of, about it was was all of a sudden sound ceased to exist in that light. Like you couldn't hear anything. The the th- you know thrum of the engine. You know you can hear the wind. You know even in a, in a little Piper Cub like that. Everything got silent. The equipment started going kind of crazy. This lasted all of about 34 to 38 seconds. And then all of a sudden a second beam of light from the same you know craft that was in the water hit it again, and it was almost like it was jerking it down out of the sky. The plane dropped like a thousand feet, like as fast as he could snap his fingers, and it impacted in the water. His cousin, Mark, passed away. Um, he was found floating in the water, and he, they were saved by the Can- uh, Catalina Baywatch. Uh, they had seen the plane go down. They launched to go, you know, do the rescue. They found him dead in the water. They estimated at that point in time he had been dead underwater for about 15 to 20 minutes. This is Noah, not his cousin who died. Um, they managed to bring him back. Um, they had, you know, so he survived this incident. The crazy part is that they can't figure out. Both of them were buckled in. The plane hit the water. He said that he pretty much, you know, went unconscious when it hit the water. The only thing he got was a broken leg and a concussion. And dead. And he died. <laughs> but the the part that, that they can't figure out is. How did him and his cousin get out of the seatbelts? That's weird. Yeah. That's super weird. Yeah. I believe I remember that story, so I got one for you. And well, well, hold on. I got more. I got more here. No, I don't want It's about the same story. All right. Um, so once again, like I said, he's reported to be dead, you know, for approximately 15 to 20 minutes. Um, the the part that they, they still are having the issue with is now they can't find the plane either. They searched for wreckage. They searched for debris. This went on for weeks at a time. They never found the plane. I think they found, like, part of the plane. It, I, it was – bear with me. Don't shake your head at me. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. They found – I believe they found – I didn't finish the episode because I got sidetracked. But uh-huh. I believe they found part of the plane in, like, a UFO Hunters episode. I think it was, like, season no, no, one, no, no, episode no, 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 no. You're wrong. They thought they found it. Ah, so you didn't watch the whole thing? No, I did. So, I just told you I didn't. Right, fool. So, yep. So this is going to be just for you then. I'm going to have to go ahead and put this out there, that since I can d- undeniably and categorically prove that you're wrong, this is for you. Wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> I love that show. Scrubs is one of my all-time favorite shows. Doctor Cox, love his character, man. Uh, yeah, John C. McGinley, man, awesome dude, great actor. Um, so, anyways, yeah, they they thought that they had found it and found a different plane. It oh. wasn't the it wasn't his. It was okay. a different one. Well, now I don't have to finish that. Yeah. <laughs> so the the crazy part is that once again, you know that the you know they talked about this beam of light had hit the craft, you know, and he said it was almost like liquid light. Like he said, like you could almost it was almost tangible. You could feel it. Ooh. And then, like, inside the cabin, you know, of, of the cab of the – or cockpit, you know, lack of a better term for a small little Piper plane, uh, started glowing an immense bright color. It started blinding him where he couldn't see at all. 
and then that's when it all of a sudden changed to a different shade and it was like a secondary light hit him and that's the one all of a sudden he felt this pull and they dropped like a thousand feet slammed into the water that gives me a question but you're not done so continue not good well i mean so what if a weapon could be made of light like that i mean like they had mastered because light theory was part of my curriculum. We already know that like an EMP is possible to create as an actual focused beam to like okay EMP electromagnetic pulse for people out there. Uh, basically, uh, in theory, well I'm sorry, let me take it back. It's not theory; it's proven. All right, when a nuclear bomb goes off, one of the first things that comes out of that is called EMP, electromagnetic pulse. And what it does is it destroys all the like electrical components around you and Anything electrical shuts right off, quits working. It knocks out car batteries, planes, uh, you know, your watch, phone, anything electronic, boom, it's done. That that pulse just shuts it down. So he said in a sense, he said because of how all of a sudden the magnetometer reacted inside the, you know, the plane for the directional finder, mm-hmm. that he thinks it might have been like an EMP type uh, weapon. I mean, that would be very logical and makes sense. Yeah. And I mean... We already use lasers in a destructive capacity anyway. Uh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. as far as cutting things and stuff like that. So what if this is like a weaponized, like a big la- <laughs> laser? Laser <laughs> beam. You can't see it, but we're doing the air quotes. Yeah. One billion dollars. <laughs> so uh, the crazy thing is, though, is that, you know, once again, I mean, this is not just a fact of a USO sighting. This is one where people got attacked by it, mm-hmm. you know, and that... You know, one of the individuals died. Well, technically, both died. One just happened to survive. Uh, but the, the besides the USO itself that they spotted, and they said that they thought they saw, or he saw, people walking on the deck, you know, on, huh. on top of that craft when it fired at them. You know, he said, I think there was like four individuals. He said that uh, he described them basically as being humanoid, but being that high up, he couldn't get real descriptive, you know, yeah. from that type of distance. But it looked like at least four people walking around. Um, the thing is, is that, well, let's just say it was a, a naval testing for a weapon. They're not going to aim that at a civilian plane because I seen uh, when this story came out, you know, ab- about this situation, I saw people like commenting about it and stuff like that. And some people are saying, well, it was probably just a Navy weapon. They were testing and blah, blah, blah. Okay. I'm from the Navy and I will tell you firsthand, we don't test our weapons on civilians. That's not how it works. I don't care what myth, media outlet you listen to or whatever. That's not true. We do not test weapons out on civilians. That's not how it works. Not in America. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, yeah, I mean, like, prime example, like, even with a bullet, you know, if we got, like, a new type of firearm we're shooting or something like that, you know, we have this, what they call ballistic gel. Ballistic gel is made to the approximate density of a human being so we can see how the bullet will react when it hits a person. Well, they use without it on shooting fire a person. Yeah. Yeah. They do it on forging fire all the time. Yeah. Now, back in the day, you know, I mean, decades ago, yeah, they did use actual dead bodies, you know, that were given to science, yeah. you know, for they, this type of testing. They do still use those. And they, they do. do. Yeah. They use cadavers for it. Um, I was yeah. uh, listening to another podcast because, you know, I'm always running around and I'm either talking or listening one. Yep. But um, they, this one scientist, he was studying, like, it was hunting. It was a hunting podcast. But he was studying, like, methods of take with a bow. What mm-hmm. what set up for an arrow would be, like, most efficient, most ethical, like, 
what would do the job better. And they mm. were using cadavers people. They were using yeah. cadavers animals. Like they were using, you know, dead stuff. You know, right before it goes into rigor mortis, not people, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they it's like, man, they're kind of fresh off the grill. Well, <laughs> okay. I mean, they can kind of. Yeah, I was gonna Work say rigor mortis out. sets in pretty quick, so yeah, but rigor mortis yeah. hadn't been set in yet. You sure he didn't kill him first? <laughs> mm, see what happened was. See what happened was. <laughs> but no, I mean, he, it. Yeah, I forgot where I was going with that. I I quit. Stop looking at your messenger. Why are you checking your? Because uh, I've had people messaging me about the show. One of the people was saying that they really liked the show today. They liked the topic we're talking about. Oh, thank you. So yeah. <laughs> Remember, we have listeners that nominate us for Best of the Bay at Creative Loafing. Make sure you go and vote for us. We are located <laughs> in the entertainment section. We are listed as Paraprobe in the entertainment for Best Internet Radio Show. I go hate to Creative you Loafing so and vote for us. I really hate you. Dude, I'm not gonna lie. Okay, uh, I'm I'm really very proud of all the things that you and I have accomplished. Uh, I'm very, you know, thankful to uh, Kim, who has stepped in and been helping us set up all the events and, and getting the stuff rolling for H&E. I, I am very grateful and thankful. You know, yesterday was uh, National Radio Day. Yeah, I saw you post that. Yes. And I didn't. Yes. <laughs> and I am very thankful that you and I get to do what we do because this has put us into a new path in our lives that really is changing into a different life for us. I, I'm still taken aback by it. I still can't yeah. believe it's a legit thing that is real because, like, I'm nobody, bro. We're, we're in the grand scheme of we're things. We're a couple of goofballs yeah, that just have a show. We just talk a lot of junk, Yeah. and we have fun, and we talk about, you know, things sometimes too serious, like people dying in plane crashes. Yeah. Chance. Whatever. But, like, we like to keep it light most of the time. And Unless I, it's a plane crash. Shut up. But anyways. <laughs> I quit. I'm, I'm not even talking The thing anymore. is, at the end of the day, I look, I know that you and I, we joke around a lot on air. We're a couple of goofballs. You know, some of our subjects we'll take very serious and get very in-depth and detail about and everything else. Today was not that day. No. Today was the day that we were like, you know, yeah, we're going to talk about USOs because it is a very interesting subject that we wanted to talk about. But also, too, a lot of it today was just kind of expressing to our fans out there. And I don't even like to call them fans. I, you know, I just like to refer to them as our, our people that our our tribe. Our probers. Yeah, our probers. <laughs> oh, I like that. Okay, our probers. So all you probees out there. There you go. Yep. I, uh, are you a prober or yeah, probie? You are the guys. That are, you know, <laughs> you are the guys and girls that are helping us move along and make this happen. Um, you know, we, got, we Jesse and I we got together because, uh, frankly, I got bored. Uh, this is Gazan's truth. Yeah, we got I bored. I was bored talking to Jesse. He was bored. And I'm like, dude, let's just do a radio show. You know, I come from radio and everything else. Jesse actually came from radio, you know, with a little background, you know, with a different show. And so he's like, yeah, absolutely. You know, let's do his paranormal well, talk show. Well, we did that show together. That was yeah. me Cock and Wizard, and I was on there. And, it, it, you know, it was fun. It was all right. Yeah, it but, was fun. Uh, you know, some things fell through. And, I yeah. mean, I had done YouTube before that and, you know, done some other Yeah, this, things, this so wasn't we, like your first rodeo being in the public eye doing anything media related. No. Yeah. No. And so, anyways, Jesse and I, we got together and decided to go ahead and do the show, and we created it called Paraprobe. Long story short, I used to be the lead investigator of a television ghost hunting show called Paraprobe. It was a show that I created uh, with a group of my friends. And so, when we started doing Paraprobe Radio, or, you know, doing radio, we decided, well, I'm just going to follow through with Paraprobe, because that's what the television show was about was getting deep into the paranormal, and that's what we're doing now. And honestly, we couldn't think of anything else. We yeah. fought for like we three banged, weeks. Oh, my God. We <laughs> we bounced around names, yeah, for like three weeks. and finally, It was like, easier picking my kid's name than to pick a name for the show. I know, right? <laughs> 
So we just turned around and we're like, you know what, screw it. I already own Paraprobe. Let's just go with that. So that's how I got its name. And, uh, and of course, you know, para being paranormal and probe, probing deep into the paranormal. We're going deep. We're going past the elbow. Deep. Yeah. So the thing is, is that we like to get deep into whatever subject we talk about, but we didn't want to get the boring, dull, humdrum paranormal shows that are, and I'm not saying they're all that way. There's a lot of good paranormal shows out there. I mean, not better than us, but there's quite a few good ones. Um, that I, <laughs> I see you shaking your head. Uh, but but the, the point being is that we wanted to do something fun. The, the funness then all of a sudden turned into, well, what if we tried this, you know? And next thing you know, it's like we came up with this creation of H&E Entertainment, you know, which became its LLC. We now own the company. And it's focusing on doing these not only paranormal tours. And that's the thing I want to get out to a lot of people. The H&E Entertainment is not another paranormal event company. It's not. We do different types of events. we got Christmas events that are Mm. coming up. Yep. Uh, We have, uh, yeah, we got one Christmas event already coming up this year. Uh, we do like um, summer blasts, you know, stuff like that. Jesse and I are going to be going out and actually emceeing a lot of different events that aren't even ours that we're getting hired to go out and emcee. Yeah, uh, one mean, of them is a, a big bike, uh, like 5K bike run or something like that or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, that's why we call it H&E Entertainment. You yeah, know, exactly. We, I, I looked because we were talking about, you know, just doing paranormal events. I was like, I don't want to be I don't want to be relegated to one thing. Yeah. I want to do multiple things. I mean, we both have a background in the boating industry, and I honestly want to open up a boating yeah. company of some sort. More than likely, private island excursions, you know. Yeah. So if somebody's got a boat out there they want to get me, I'll do it now. Well, to, <laughs> to freely talk about this, and, and of course, I'm going to go ahead and freely talk about this because while we own the company, we do what we want. Um one of the port things of Lake Lanier that we're doing is we are going into a business partnership, too, with a boat and tour company up there that is going to start running also paranormal tours on the water as a weekly thing. Which is super that, cool. You know, that we are a part of that business with them. Um, so we are starting the first, you know. And as a matter of fact, our Lake Lanier uh, event that we're doing is going to be a first annual. This, uh, they want to do a annual event with us with this. Yes. So this is our first annual for this. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But we're also going to be having these ghost tours. They're going to be going out there, you know, weekly, taking people out, you know, around these different areas. I'm not, I don't want to give them too much detail yet. Thank you. Until later. But Thank I'm just you. giving you an, a, a broad, you know, broad stroke. When we go to promote it, then you can Yeah, a broad stroke off. idea of what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to need Stephanie to handle some business with you. You are way <laughs> too out of line, sir. And we also, but we also have a lot of other things going on. I actually, and I'm going to go ahead and put it out there, I got ordained as a reverend. Um, officially real, not fake. This as, is a as real for ordainment. Real. Yes, as he's for real. he's seen all the paperwork I had to go through and everything else. Uh, I've been like you know, of course, studying Bible school and everything else since I was eight years old. So I had to take this exam and all this other stuff, and I got actually ordained as a real minister. That is a lifelong lifelong ordainment that I'm going to be also officiating weddings. We're going to have themed weddings coming up that we're going to be doing. They're paranormal-themed. Uh, uh, some of them will be haunted-themed. Some of them will be ghost-themed. They might be alien-themed, Bigfoot, whatever. Uh, we're going to be doing this. I mean, there is a broad spectrum of things that H&E Entertainment is going to be bringing to the public of what we do. Um, so besides just the tours, we're going to be doing weddings. We're going to be doing events. Uh, it's going to be it's a, a big, big or, yes, a big undertaking and big ordeal. It wasn't supposed to be. Yeah, it, it wasn't, wasn't supposed to be, but these <laughs> things happen, and they, you know, things happen. They just kind of, you know, a snowball effect, and they branch and they work out. We started the, the, work. We started working out events, and we we're like, look, we can do this. We yeah. can we can run events, and then we're like, well, what are we gonna? 
Yeah, let's yeah. let's let's be our own event company instead of like you know subcontracting to somebody yeah. else. Let's do it ourselves. We can do this. Yeah, and, and trust me, this is not uh, like I said actually a couple of weeks ago on the show when we first made the announcement about H and E. This is not a thing that was a overnight idea that we just threw out there to make us look cool and all that. No, this has actually been something we've been working on for almost a year now for yeah. the idea of H and E. I mean. We, we, uh, th- we have spitballed it, like, throughout, what, what have I known you now? Like, what year is this? 21? 21, yeah. So about 2018 I met you, I think? Yeah, yeah. 2017, 2018? Yeah, this is, this is right not a, yeah, this is not a new and fresh idea that we came up and just threw it out there and said, yeah, we're going to do this. It's going to be cool. No, this has taken a lot of time, a lot of undertaking and, you know, checking into the stuff that we need. You know, getting the LLC. It's been done. a pain in the butt. Yeah. Is what yeah, it's exactly. Been. It's been a royal yeah. pain in the butt. It, but Look, it's worth it in the long run. It, it is totally worth it in the wrong run. Yeah. Long run. Wrong run. Yeah. <laughs> the <whatever>. wrong run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's totally worth it if you're willing and to put dog in the we work. Trust. Yeah. Yes. Okay. If you're willing to put in the work and willing to like put up with some of the things that. The thorns on your side for it. You know, if if look, if you yeah. want to start a business to be lazy. Don't start a business. Don't start a business. It's, it's not going to yeah. happen. But if like, you want free time, don't start a business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the the free time comes later yeah. when you can actually, you know. But the, but the building concept and the yeah. first starting out, no, there's there's no rest for the wicked. It's working a lot of hours, a lot of phone calls, a lot of conferences, a lot of meeting with people, yep. uh, a lot of pre planning. You know, uh, there's a lot that goes into it. A lot know? of communication. A, a lot of communication. A lot of communication. I am on the phone for on average probably about seven hours a day on yeah. my phone. You think he talks a lot now? Yeah, and, <laughs> and that's just for the business side. I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot, you know. But the thing is, is that it, you know, at the end of the day, this is something that, uh, like the old saying goes, if you really love what you do, it's not really work. Yep. We really love what we do, you know, and that's why we wanted to branch this into. It, it only makes sense. It, yeah. It literally only makes sense to do what we do. And make money from it, and so that's why we're doing what we do. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, it just it works for us. I mean, and, absolutely. And we're, you know, that saying, "Jack of all trades, master of none," still better than a master of one. Yeah, that's us. Yeah, you know, we we know how to do and execute on so many different things mm-hmm. in the entertainment industry. We love entertaining people. Yes, that's, that's um, what we, hence we're why we do radio. Yeah, we're yeah, we love that's entertaining what we like people. To do. That's why we're looking for. I mean, like when these events kick off, you know, everybody's like, you know, you know I, I've already had this asked by a lot of people. They're like, what are you going to do about Parapro? We're going to keep doing Parapro. Yeah, we're going to keep doing. We'll it. be we're broadcasting our show. If we're doing an event on a weekend, ninety percent of the time, it's usually going to probably be a paranormal event, anyways. We're just going to be broadcasting live from the event. Or if we have to, we'll pre-record or something. Yeah, pre-record you know? or something. We'll, we'll, we're not. We're not going to stop doing Parapro. No, no. The radio show is what started it all. And we're going to keep that if going. If they kick us off the air, we'll just do it online. We'll we don't just care. Go somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. And we'll be able to say the things that we can't say <laughs> on air. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, the, the, but the thing is, is like, I mean, like with Paraprobe, you know, like I said, it's not even been a year yet. And we've been, now we're on iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, uh, iTunes, Amazon Music, uh, Podbean. Uh, pretty much if you name a, a app or anything that you go and listen to podcast shows on, we're there. For Paraprobe. So you can actually go back and listen to all of our past episodes and such, too. Um, I've been reaching out to a lot of my friends in the entertainment industry, so we're going to be getting some celebrities coming on, too, doing interviews and such. We, we stared away from that for a little bit. We're going to kind of bring that back around and start bringing some cool people for you to talk to. 
So anyways, we're getting ready to roll out. Make sure, once again, go to Creative Loafing's website and make sure you go under enter- the entertainment section for the Best of the Bay competition and vote for Paraprobe for our Best Internet Radio Show. And thank you very much for nominating us. Absolutely. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.